Hey everyone, welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchor Podcast. Today we are in Acts chapter 11. It reads, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized them, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. Then he told us how he had seen an angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So for today's nugget of truth, we're going to focus in on the last sentence of verse 26. It says, And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. When we look here at this passage, we see one of only three places in the Bible that the word Christian is used. And so we see that it's actually a term that comes from the outside and not necessarily from the growing church in this point. And so the church at this point had referred to themselves as saints or brothers or believers. When we see other places in scriptures, we see that this word Christian, as well as them being called Nazarenes or them being called the way and other places here in Acts, is something that happens from the outside. And I want us to take a moment to think about maybe nicknames that we've been given at different points in our life. Usually a nickname is something that comes from somebody else, but it's usually meant to, in some ways, be a little bit derogatory or has a little bit of a jab at it. 
So maybe you messed up at a certain thing or you don't do something terribly well or something like that. And that becomes like a part of your nickname that somebody else gives you. Now, most of the time those are meant with love and you usually accept that as knowing that the person is using that in a friendly banter or a way to show that they remember and they appreciate and they have a relationship with you. But here in this sense, uh, it was probably meant as a derogatory term about these people who thought that they were going to be these little Christs or these people of the party of Christ. So here as the church continues to spread its influence into these Gentile regions, it's also expanding the reproach of those who are resistant to the spread of the gospel. So much so that when we see Peter commenting on this in 1 Peter 4 verse 16, we see there he says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. So as suffering as a Christian or suffering as this follower of Christ, the people would actually take a hold of this and see it as a fitting description for who they are. They're called to imitate Christ. They're called to be like Christ. And therefore, they will receive the same treatment that Christ does. So as they are reviled and as they are made fun of, as they are mocked, as they are punished, as they're tortured even, for following Christ, this word Christian becomes something that is a badge of honor that they're called to wear as they are suffering in the same way that Christ did at the hands of the same worldly system that Christ suffered. And so they receive an opportunity to experience the same glories that Christ did as well. And so as we think on that today, if we are receiving persecution, if we're receiving ridicule, if we're receiving any opposition to the gospel that's on display in our lives, the gospel that we're attempting to spread to the world, we do so knowing that we are going to be met with opposition in the same way that Jesus was met with opposition, because the world system will not accept us just as it did not accept Christ. And so it's an encouragement for us today to think even on this, that as we receive these words or phrases that are meant as ridicule, that as we really reflect on them, that we can understand the way in which they actually verify that we're doing what God has called us to do, that we're being the light that he has called us to be in darkness, that we're being the salt that he has called us to be in the world, that we are following through on what God has called us to do. And so if you're receiving those things today, may this be an encouragement to you to press on, to continue to be devoted to the calling of the Lord in your life. As far as a question from this passage, the question that I was wrestling with as I read through the passage was, how long was Saul's exile? We last saw him in chapter 9 as he was sent away to Tarsus, and here we see that he's going to get him, that being Barnabas, and we need to understand a little bit of what's taken place here. While we're still going chronologically through what's happening here with the early church, we've gone a couple of chapters, but in reality we've gone about 8 to 10 years in a natural timeline. And so if we look back at the first part of the book of Acts, we were all within the first several years right after the crucifixion of Jesus. And so by Acts 6, we're really within three to four years of what's taken place. But then following that, we start to get larger gaps in between each of the instances that we see. Most scholars place the rest of what happens in chapter 6 through the end of chapter 8 in 
AD 34, so about four years after Christ's resurrection. But then we're almost nine years after that when we arrive here in this chapter. So whereas the first few chapters covered just four years, we're covering nine years roughly in these three chapters. And so exactly where we place the chronology is difficult because the text isn't specific. The real next benchmark that we for sure have comes with the Jerusalem Council because we know when that took place. And so it's difficult to place all those things in chronology. But Saul has been for several years exiled into Tarsus, working through the gospel ministry there. They go and grab him and now are going to be partnering with him for great advances in the gospel ministry throughout the rest of the book of Acts. So maybe that was your question today. Maybe you had a different question. Either way, find the answer for that question. Seek to study God's word. Learn about it as you do so and learn and grow in your understanding of who the Lord is and what his mission is and what he's called each of us to do as his followers. And know today you were loved. You're